Welcome to another episode of Better Why Podcast, your modern day Tia's kitchen table with a bit of cheesement and less yelling on most days. What's up, everyone? It's your girl, CEO. Hey, y'all. What's going on? It's Brenda, aka Babs. Uh, it's been, what, two weeks? We're trying to uh, stay consistent um, in terms <laughs> of uh, making sure that we drop our episodes every two weeks, like we promised. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a, a eventful past two weeks, um, just in terms of, of work and just life in general, but I actually was really excited to share this with you, CEO. Um, so after we wrapped up the episode with your cousin, um, with, with Melissa, I actually took a step and uh, committed to therapy. So I signed up for therapy through through Talk Talkspace, which is like a virtual uh, platform that uh, connects you with a therapist and whatnot, and and allows you to connect with therapists all across the country. So you know, I guess this is a um, a real time example of what we kind of discussed on the episode, which was like having conversations about mental health. Um, is really where it starts. And yeah, so shout out to your cousin. Shout out to you for getting started. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Therapy. Everybody should probably have a therapist. Um, I know it seems like a little weird to share your, like to share what's going on in your life with someone who's a stranger but ultimately like that person is just neutral you know they're not a good therapist is really gonna remain neutral they're gonna hear you and and really kind of let you go through what it is that you're going through but also like be there in a different way right kind of like helping you to realize where you can do the work to to kind of move forward or change some of the things you want to change so and it's hard sometimes going to therapy but uh, I would say it's pretty rewarding. I do not have a therapist right now, but I see the benefits of therapy and I'm not ready yet to go back. So I haven't done that. But kudos to you. I'm so excited for you. Like, I I'm can't like- wait to hear about your experience. I'm also low-key nervous, though, too. Uh, it took me a minute to actually be matched with a therapist. So I think that's the way that's the way the platform does it. But it was oh, just that's interesting. I was reading the like after they ask you like a couple of questions, they send you a list of like therapists. And my very first thing is like I wanted someone that was uh, preferably a woman of color. Mm-hmm. But it just was in that particular platform. There was uh, from the list that they sent me, only one of of the therapists was a woman of color. She was a black woman. Um, but based on her on her profile, I didn't think it would be a good fit. She seemed very um, uh, religion, faith-based. And and not Mm -hmm. to say that there's anything wrong with that, but for me personally, that's not a good fit. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I ended up finding someone else. She is a white woman. We'll see uh, how things work out, you know? And if they work out, then great. And if not, then I have to try. Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. And then you, I mean, did you go through your insurance? So, yes and no. So, I I am paying through my insurance through HS uh, the HSA account. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it it's not like it's like like they cover a portion and then I pay for a copay. It's mm -hmm. I'm paying straight from my account, from my HSA account. So it's a little bit different. And it also reminded me of, again, going back to the last episode, I, I know I keep bringing that up, but the, the whole concept of access because it's expensive. It it's is really expensive. expensive. So it's like, you know, uh, this, I think that this is also a reason why I hadn't done it in the past, because as much as I wanted to be able to commit to, to therapy and my mental health, I, I couldn't afford it now, mm -hmm. you know, thankfully I can, but it's just, yeah, made me think about a lot, but anyway, how was, uh, has been the past two weeks for you? The past two weeks, I don't even know. What did I have, have I done? I went to Rhode Island. Oh, to yay. see some of my friends, which was really nice because I hadn't seen them in a while. I saw Veronica. Oh, I did see her snap. Oh, was it Snapchat or Instagram that she Maybe. was uh, that she was in Rhode Island? I did see that. Yeah, I think it might have been Instagram. So that was really nice to spend time with them. What did I do the weekend before that? I don't even remember, but I know that I did something, and now I can't remember what it was. But ain't nothing been new. Work has been busy. Um, I'm still doing like the part, I don't remember if I told you, but I'm doing the job part-time. The job that I was covering for a few months ago is the same job that I'm doing now. I'm covering again and I'm still working with them and, and that's been fine, but work's been a little busy. Yeah. They're working on a re-entry plan. So we're going to go back in July. Oh, full-time. That's the thing. We I don't know. I think what they're going to do is they're going to keep certain people at home and then still have people in the clinic, uh -huh. but there may not always be people at the clinic. Okay. That's what most places are doing now too, especially when, when they're realizing that people can still do their jobs and still be productive uh, from home. And a lot of times mm -hmm. more productive because they are able to create an environment that works for them because everybody works differently. And sometimes working in an office is not conducive to that. Correct. And so our job, I mean, they, we got rid of a building like where we were housing a team and mm -hmm. they're moving into <laughs> our building and that spot needs to be built out. Gotcha. So they're still building that out. So I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll be done by July, but who knows? anything is possible um other than that i mean i'm thinking of taking a few vacations hey, and, where are you trying to go uh, so carmen's been talking she hasn't been talking about nothing honestly but the, the <laughs> i just talked to her today actually <laughs> so she's been busy you know with the campaign yeah. and stuff yeah. and she's famous now practically so. she's a badass like carmen is like hashtag goals right now she's <laughs> She's she's, doing, the damn thing. she's doing like she is doing her damn thing, and I told her I was like, you know, you should definitely go for this. I think it'll be yes. a good opportunity for you, but I know she is. It's gonna be good when June, like when the date for elections comes, because she, you know, she'll have a break, and I know she's been working really hard. So yes, we're trying to maybe go to San Francisco for her birthday. Okay, I love San Fran, except for like I've never been there. The hills are like really high. Like there, the sh there is a, a certain, uh, San Francisco has tons of, of, um, hills and dips. 
and they're not small. They're like the elevation on some of these hills is 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 extreme. But it's a beautiful city though. Yeah, so maybe there or she said Florida, but I don't think we're gonna do that. And then maybe Colorado. Oh wait, but so you're only going to, to three different places? No, those are the places on oh, the table. Those are the options. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no. Those are like in opposite directions. Yeah. I mean, Cali well, and, Florida. and Colorado are uh, marijuana friendly. So that's always a plus. Always a plus. I've never been to Colorado or Oregon. She actually, Colorado's not on the table. Then she was like, oh, I've already been there. She was talking about Oregon. Mm. But that's really it. I got, I scheduled my tattoo. Oh, yes. I, I, we can talk after the episode, but I'm definitely trying to get my tats. Uh, to the 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 one that says Guerrera and the one that says Hatea, which means fearless and Yaki, as a tribute to my newly discovered, um, well, like it, it always existed, but my I guess my newly discovered um, uh, ancestry, you know, my father being indigenous, um, the from the Yaki people of of Mexico. That's what's up. Yeah. Do you, I mean, yeah, we can talk about it offline, but yeah. I would like to know if you have an artist. Or... I, I do not. So let's connect if you do. Okay. Yeah. You got to show me what it is that, like how you want it to look. And then I can see what I, like who I came across when I was doing my search. Okay. Dope. Because the person that I'm going to, she's in Simsbury and she uses vegan ink. So, you know, I was scooped. I of was course. hyped. Of course. I'm like, you use vegan ink? All right. I'm, I'm coming. Yes. But it's not until late. It's not until July 22nd. Well, I mean, I'm not in a rush. So let's talk. Okay, cool. I'll let you know. Okay, cool. All right. So that brings us to our segment, our No Me Digas segment, which is um, shit that's happening in the news. So I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, CO, if uh, you've been keeping up to date, I know you usually try to stay away from from the social medias. Uh, so essentially, there's a video circulating of Kamala Harris saying, do not come. Uh, if you come to the border, you will be turned back. Um, and she also recently did an interview on CNN where the interviewer asked her if she had visited the U.S.-Mexico border. And she answered by saying she essentially got defense- defensive and said no, but that she also hadn't been to Europe so that she didn't understand what the interviewer was getting at. So I personally think that that is such a flawed and tone deaf comparison, especially coming from the vice president that is responsible for um, international relations um, and and specifically knowing that we are in, in in a space where immigration reform is something that's being called uh, for. And I mean, myself, that's one of the things that I I vocalize on a regular basis. Um, And this actually brings me back to our very first episode where we kind of talked about what it represented to have Kamala Harris um, and even Joe Biden win the election and how we felt about it and the sentiment of like cautious optimism, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to give them the benefit of the doubt and kind of, um, you know, allowing things to unfold, right? But I, I think that these types of, of responses and switch ups, you know, this fickleness uh, kind of reminds us that politics 
are deceitful and politicians are at the end of the day politicians. So we have to continue to be vigilant and do what we can to hold our elected official accountable, our elected officials accountable. I will say like, I was honestly really furious when I, I saw this, but, and, and also kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say disappointed, right? Because it's not like it's totally unexpected for a politician to switch their stance. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was more like, I think that even though I was cautious, I did let myself become, uh, remain optimistic. Right. Um, and thinking that, you know, things were actually going to change in terms of the U.S. approach to immigration. But I, I don't know, it just made me really, really sad to kind of, to, to see this come from, um, even though I ultimately knew that this was not something completely unexpected, but to see this come from Kamala Harris. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that we just have to continue to, uh, support the organizations and the people that have um, movements and, and strategies in place to to push back when um, our elected officials are not doing what the people want, right? So, yeah. Well, I definitely didn't. I mean, I've been off of social media, so I haven't heard about this. Um, so I'll be looking up the video after the podcast, but while you were talking that was what I thought about the first episode yeah because we like, talked about know, this <laughs> yeah kind of like we'll see what's gonna happen mm-hmm. type of thing you know mm-hmm. we'll um you know we're gonna watch and hold them accountable and bring this shit to light too right like because yeah. <clears throat> maybe not everybody who's listening even knows about this either so it's like you yeah. know just talking about these things I think um is important and I mean it's interesting because she wasn't this is the first time this isn't the first time I heard her being called out I guess um yeah one of my friends had said for uh Memorial Day that she had posted like I hope everyone enjoys the long weekend but people were taking feeling some type of way because Mm. she wasn't acknowledging like the reason why we have a long weekend okay and so some people felt dismissed Mm mm-hmm but I think that's just kind of the way things work, right? Like people mm-hmm. are going to feel some type of way about some of the things she does and or not. Yeah. But yeah, that was what I was thinking about the first episode where we were like, all right, we'll see what they're going to do. Um, I don't know what Biden's been up to, but. I mean, Biden is still, at the end of the day, he's still the president. So this also falls on him as well, 100%. So. Um, I also think that um, it's interesting because Kamala Harris is actually the daughter of two immigrants. So it's it's interesting that she wouldn't fight harder, you know? And she was actually called out by um, our good sis, Alexandra, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio. Yeah. So, you know. All right, so that actually brings us then to our Pero Why. So our Pero Why this week is focused on something that we don't typically uh, think of when we think of uh, social justice or uh, political uh, commentary or even just uh, 
really when we think about difficult conversations usually, and that's a lot of times what we're discussing here on this podcast, but I think that after this conversation, we'll be able to kind of see the connection between that and what we're going to speak about. So our better why is, better why do we care about sports? Better how does the institution of sports need to evolve? And better how has sports impacted social justice movements, etc. cetera? Uh, and joining us today in this discussion is Kiyoshi. And that name probably sounds familiar to you all because I've said it many times on this podcast, uh, he's my partner and love, but beyond that, he is a sports podcaster and also brings attention to the intersection of sports with social justice. So welcome. Welcome, Kiyoshi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks Um, for being here. No problem. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you guys uh, are having me. My name is Kiyoshi, AKA Yosh. I'm on a sports podcast, which I will name drop later, I (laughs) guess. And like I said, I'm happy to be on and to join this conversation. And obviously, shout out to y'all. Obviously, shout out to you, babe, for for putting this all together. And I'm very grateful to, to be part of this conversation. I'm very appreciative that you guys brought me into this conversation. So thank you. Okay. Awesome. So we'll just get started then. All right, so the I think this kind of ties in a little bit into what I said upon opening this better why. Uh, so why do we feel that um, sports are so influential? I mean, just thinking, even though, like I said, we don't necessarily think of it as a connection to, to a progressive movement or to, um, to civil rights, but they are a huge influence, I think, period, um, not just in the U.S., but in, in, in the world and across the world. But uh, why do you think that it's so influential? And also specifically, Kiyoshi, why is it so important to you? So um, I guess I'll start by why it's important to me. I feel you kind of already know this Babs but I guess for you and all the listeners uh for you CEO and all the listeners the reason why it's so important to me is because I feel that it's uniting factor for people globally and locally obviously within states or regions and I think personally I've always liked sports I've always tried to be involved in them I've just enjoyed ever since I'm a big Giants fan Yankees fan big (laughs) just New York sports fan um, okay, New also, York. Yeah, exactly. And also, as obviously Brenda, as you know, a current, a avid rugby fan and current rugby player. And I think it just, I think in terms of sports, it has, like I said, a, a uniting factor. And I think it, it gives people, it can give people a sense of belonging and mm. a sense of being part of something bigger than them, than, than themselves. I mean, obviously in uh, solo sports like tennis or golf or whatever, it's mainly on you, but to know that in a team sport like baseball, whatever, that your contribution, no matter how big or small is, obviously contributing to a bigger picture i think that's really cool and i think that's that's something to 
the chair is that no matter what you did, you contributed to a bigger part, not even in basketball, you know, just because you didn't have a double double, even if you just got, you know, a bunch of rebounds, you it's, it's, it's not going to contribute to the overall score, but it contributed to someone else scoring, hopefully, or an assist contributed to someone else scoring. Um, so I, I hope that answers the question. So Kyoshi, I, um, I feel you on that. I used to play sports where I used to play soccer when I was in high school. I didn't know that. Yep. And it's so crazy because I was, I didn't want to play. Like I didn't want to be a part of the team. I wasn't fucking with it. And one of my girlfriends, she's like, come on, Zio, like, let's just go come with me to the soccer tryouts. Like just come do it with me. Right. And I was a senior at that time. And the coach pretty much at the end of the tryouts, she was like, I'm only choosing CEO because she's a senior. So pretty much like you piss at the bench type of shit. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so whatever. I'm going to use that as determination to get good. I start, I earned my position as a starting defender. And in the way that you were kind of explaining Kyoshi about like, uh, or from what I gathered is like this sense of community with your team. Right. So it's like, you do spend a lot of time with those people. You do build relationships. And I think that apart from all the bullshit, I think like on a higher level that's involved with sports, there is, um, you know, there is the silver lining of, you know, having community and, and engaging and be a part and being a part of something that I think is really like much larger than your day to day, because being a part of a sport is such a large commitment. I also think that that um, I I myself never really grew up with sports like that. My parents, my family was huge on soccer, but I personally was never really involved in sports, performing arts, theater. That was more my thing. But someone once told me that it also felt uh, if they were a person that didn't play the sport, but they followed it and they were a huge fan and that it it, it, it was a sort of like escape from the mm -hmm. real world mm -hmm. uh, and they were able to invest like a uh, uh, passion energy and and in in kind of um time into this particular thing that um you know they they had no real um, they had no real consequences if something was to happen, but they could mm -hmm. still invest themselves in it. So it was like a, a, an escape from like everyday life and, and having something to root for, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit about like uh, how you and your dad, I think also have such a I think It kind of ties your relationship together with your dad too. Like the, the connection you have through sports. Yeah. Um, good point. I, um, uh... So my dad is also a big, big sports fan. And that's something I would always enjoy with my dad is just, just watching the game together. And as he's gotten older and just had more, not to get too much into it, but more health complications and something that I guess grown to appreciate more, just sitting down with my dad and watching the game and just, you know, or, or one of the things we actually did and actually uh, babe, you were Babs. You were around for this. <laughs> was um, the Knicks made the playoffs? Um, la in they in this past NBA seat. Well, the the playoffs are still going on, but we made 
the point is we made the playoff the Knicks made the playoffs is the first time in eight years and between myself my dad and my two older brothers we like set up these video chats after every game and we would talk about it and even though we we got bounced out of the playoffs after after like five games it was still kind of cool that we were able to like just all sit there and talk and you know talk about like oh you know that was a bullshit foul we should have done this should have done that and considering for for i guess some of some of the people that do know about the Knicks. It's the first time they've made the playoffs in eight years. Ooh. So it was a really big moment for me considering the past eight years, it, the playoffs were a dream and to now have that dream a reality, even though it was very much short lived, it was a good moment with not only my dad, but also with his family. And also CEO, I wanted to mention to you because you had mentioned that you made the soccer team as a senior, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, and you said that was the main reason why you made the team was because you were a senior, correct? Correct. So if you don't mind me asking, did you feel that more of an, of a motivation, more of an impetus to perform because you were a senior or were you just looking at it as like, yo, I made the team. I wasn't, I didn't, maybe you'd expect to be here and I'm just, you know, enjoying the time I have with your potential friends, your friends, whoever. Yeah. So what, for what me, was like it your was, thought process? no, my, for me, it was like, she tried to play me. Like she okay. only put me on the team because I was a senior and it would be fucked up of her not to have put me on the team as a senior. Cause it's like, all right, she's a senior. Let her just like, you know, let her, let her be on the team. And she thought that I was going to be a, like someone who was just going to sit on the bench. She, I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything other than that. And so for me, I was motivated to be better at the sport because it was kind of like, yeah, like I might have not done good, but I'm a kick ass right now. And I'm about to show you why I deserve to be on a team. And it's not going to be because I'm a senior. Right. Almost as a way to prove her wrong, even though, yes, even though you made the team, she kind of added you begrudgingly and you were like, oh, you're just adding me just because. Your thought. Right. Your thought. Right. Exactly. All right. Your thought. Your thought. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, that was my, um, that was, that was. I had some pretty good times playing soccer. Some definitely good, some funny ass experiences, but I digress. So that's, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we're pretty much touching upon like some of the positive things I think, you know, related to sports. But as we continue along, Kyoshi, so kind of thinking about some of the things that, you know, already exist within uh, the sports industry um, and kind of trying to reveal some of the issues, but like most organizations and institutions that exist in, in society or in our society, of course, there are pervasive uh, and harmful aspects to them, right? So the isms, the systemic racism, the sexism, the sexism is so huge, so, so huge. Um, but essentially the isms, right, in sports. So what do you see as a specific issue within sports as a whole or even a specific sport that you feel may need to be changed. Wow, that's a 
a loaded question, huh? Yeah, that's a it's <laughs> a, a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's, it is definitely a loaded question. It's definitely a very broad question because I feel like every I like to think that most sports, more of like the I say the big four in North America: basketball, basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. They all have, I'd say, internal problems. I say problems with the game itself, problems with maybe front offices, with general managers, stuff like that. And then you might have like external problems in terms of fans, in terms of, I guess you could separate it from like off the field issues and on the field mm-hmm. issues. I guess yeah. you could, to make it a, a lot more simpler. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I was thinking about um, was actually, I think more female coaches. And I bring that up because the 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 NFL have has started to implement uh, more female coaches, as you guys may or may not be aware of. Uh, with especially with the NFL, there's a lot of like a lot of staff and coaching and coaches. There's you know an offensive coordinator, an offensive assistant, a defensive coordinator, a defensive assistant, a, a, a defensive line coach, an offensive line coach. There's tons of coaches for basically every position. And then there's probably coaches under those coaches. And I think, Damn. yeah, there's, especially, especially in, in football. There, I mean, there's a lot of positions. There's a lot of people. So that's makes, what all those people on the side be doing <laughs> with them headphones, the headsets. Yes. And then you also have to include the trainers and the, the physios and blah, blah, blah. Don't want to bore you. Point is, is the fact that there's more women that are involved like with the Washington football team. And even with even with that team, they were formerly known as the Redskins. And I think it's pretty easy to realize why that name, even though it was normalized, is quite problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, little story, shout out to Babs over here for taking me to a, at the time, Redskin game for my birthday. So thanks, babe. Anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving on. Um, moving on. <laughs> so I think so I think just even in the Washington football team removing the having the presence of mind especially after years of I guess of pushback to change the name even if it's to change it to the Washington football team which sounds like vanilla as fuck it's better than calling them the Redskins but anyway so my point is they hired a black woman as their, I believe their chief of staff, or I think their offensive, I think offensive assistant. But just the fact that there's a woman of color mm-hmm. um, with the, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of their um, trainers is, I believe a Muslim woman. So just to see more, just to see more women, I mean, obviously it would be nice to see women of color, but just to see more women in general in these male dominated sports is fantastic. So that so that's one thing. Also in the MLB, um, I think her name is Kim Ng. She's uh, the first female general general manager of the Miami Marlins. I think that's great just to see, especially more women in MLB because usually you don't see any women at all. So to see a woman in a, in a, a very coveted role, a high somewhat of a yeah, well not somewhat, but a high pressure role. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's fantastic. Um, one of the things I was also thinking about was more mental health advocacy, mm. which uh, I wanted to, I guess, 
segue to, I'm not sure if you guys heard about this, but Naomi Osaka, she decided to withdraw from one of her tournaments because of a mental health issue. So who is she? Uh, Naomi Osaka. So she is a tennis player. Mm. She, uh, she won, I think she won the US Open in 2018. Don't quote me on it, but she won fairly recently. She's also as of now, dating a rapper, uh, YBN Corday, cool ass dude. Um, not that he's I know. your friend. I was gonna say, oh, I he's your friend. I, I mean, I, I yeah, wish I was... he seems like a cool ass dude. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know him like that. Like, but, oh, wow, so you met him, Corday? You know, hook me up with swag or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, the point, the, the reason why I bring her up is she withdrew from these tournaments because the because of her media obligations. Ooh. As we know, a lot of these professional athletes have these media obligations to talk to the media, they usually ask them a bunch of questions when they're tired and, and honestly, they might be stressed out Ooh. from, especially, especially if you lose you. I know for me, after a game, I don't necessarily want to talk to anyone after losing, yeah. let alone losing big, or even after a win, if I'm tired, I don't necessarily want to talk to anyone. And one of the things that she brought up was this. She had a statement, and I guess I'll read part of it. Uh, anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted, and anyone who that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones, as that helps my dull social that helps dull my social anxiety. Through the tennis press, ha, though the tennis press has always been kind to me, and I want to apologize to all those cool journalists I may have heard. I'm not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. Uh, she goes on to say, I wrote privately to the tournament apologizing and saying that I would be more than happy to speak with them after the tournament and as the slams are intense. And then, um, a lot, uh, a lot of athletes on Twitter went to basically applaud her because that's a, that's some real that's some real shit to admit. Like, yo, I I'm willing to forfeit tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars just because I honestly don't feel comfortable talking to the media, and that's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, public. That's I mean. Valid. I think I've heard some stats that people would rather die than speak in front of an audience. Yeah, that's actually that's actually true. And, and, and it's crazy. And one of a there's a WNBA. Um, I think she's I think she's a retired WM, WNBA player. She said, as a professional athlete that also works in media, I experience both sides. Accessibility is important for media, and is important for media to cover sports, but never at the cost of mental health and inner peace. Thank you, Naomi, for sharing your truth and speaking for those who share the same struggle. And I think it really made me think that we take these media interviews for granted. And sometimes they can be used for good fodder. Sometimes they can be used for memes. But I think if there were, uh, I guess, rules or regulations in place to not force these players to speak as much as I would love to hear what Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James have to say after a big win or after a tough loss, we have to also admit that they're people too. They didn't wake up and have this fame. Mm. 
they they're people that have issues that have emotions that have feelings and they need to be respected so maybe if there's like a list of players that agree to do it or maybe there's a bonus i don't know so it just really made me think about especially how you just mentioned about mental health that mental health within sports in general i think is very important i also think it's interesting right because it's like you it kind of ties into this this narrative that to be healthy, the 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 main thing that we take about take take care of is our physical body, right? And you have mm-hmm. these like, athletes that are in exceptional shape, right? Because their job, their livelihood is is uh, performing, performing with their body, whatever sport it is that they're playing. But <clears throat> the same emphasis is not placed on on keeping their their mind. Their, their brain, their, their emotions healthy, right? And being able to to have an outlet and, and not be forced to, you know, deal with 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 uh with the press or or these uh these additional high pressure situations. Because let's be real, like playing a game in itself is already a high pressure stress situation. Right. No, I, I definitely agree, Babs. I, I definitely agree. I feel that um like I said if there was uh implementations or regulations in place so that not that we don't necessarily have to hear from the same person or maybe hear from like a PR rep or um, a designated player rep that can talk to the press when Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or whoever doesn't want to talk to the press. They're they're tired. They want to go get treatment just or maybe they just don't want to do it like I feel like we take these athletes for granted when we have to respect we have to respect their privacy. Um, and one last thing I wanted to excuse me wanted to bring up was more practical social justice POC inclusion. And what I mean by this is obviously in the wake of police brutality and and if you really think about it, police murder. We, there's been more of a push, especially from the NFL that I've seen, from the NBA that I've seen, to be more, uh, I guess, socially conscious yeah. and try to vocalize it. Like especially in the in the bubble last year for the playoffs, there were on the some of the players' jerseys they they had they had messages that said and racism or black lives matter or when is it going to stop how many more which is which is great to to bring that subliminal i guess it is i guess it kind of is like subliminal marketing but it's marketing to for more uh social justice reform i also feel, i also hope that it doesn't just stop because it's not trending yeah. i hope that it's something that's con- that continues even the nfl in in um a lot of the new stadiums, if you look at the end zones, it says, you know, um, it says end racism or it says uh, to like stop racism, which is cool because like that's something that we should all strive to do. But what's what's actually going to happen? What what steps are they are is the NFL going to take? I also think that like. When I saw that, like, even when you and I were watching one of the football games, it, it gave me performative activism, performative allyship, right? I right. It kind of reminds me of, like, what organizations do during Pride Month, you know? Mm-hmm. Start 
to like, in a way, commodify uh, queerness or and, and in order to be able to to bring people and or make money and profit off mm-hmm. of the identity uh, um, that real people are every single day. And the reason why I say that is because specifically talking about like racial justice and the, you know, the, the, the writing on the, on the jerseys and on the Enfield and end zone. End zone. You said Enfield. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know. um, We're all learning. We're all learning. We're still learning. Still learning. So it it just brings me back to the fact that, okay, yeah, great, because it's trending and it's cool and and all these large organizations have finally decided to say something because if not, then they will more than likely uh, lose some sort of profit. But you have people like Colin Kaepernick that, you know, were protesting when it wasn't uh, popular or when it wasn't, I wouldn't say that it wasn't popular, but that it wasn't a trend, right? And he still has not been able to, I don't know what the correct terminology is, babe. Help me he still here. doesn't have a job. Yeah, there we go. He He's still st- doesn't have a job. He still terms, right there. He yeah, in plain terms. And, and thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of, it's really sad because he lost his job going into what, what some people could say into the prime of his career obviously for because he's a quarterback their quote unquote well their athletic lifespan is a little bit longer on average i think it's also sad that when i guess he was blacklisted it was it was a while back yeah it was a while back and it wasn't that far back from when he was in the super bowl when he almost won the super bowl and what a lot of people don't realize is his protest his silent protest was suggested by someone in the military and it's just so sad that people don't they still don't get that it's it it, and and thank you for bringing that up it's still it's it's really sad it's really sad and i think that that while i appreciate um and i'm sure that the players that are allowed to wear those jerseys without receiving any sort of consequence appreciate being able to take a stance and put by wearing those jerseys, the institution of the NFL it, it, um, doing that, like I said, is more performative than real, right? Because at the end of the day, they are still not allowing someone like Colin Kaepernick to come back and have some sort of, of and I don't know if this is up to, to the specific teams that they don't want to take on uh, Colin Kaepernick because they don't want to lose um, uh, funding, or I don't know exactly how it works. Obviously, y'all can tell that this is not my area of expertise, but 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 I the one thing that I do understand is that there is a blockage that is not allowing him to go back in, and that reason is clear. It's because he chose to stand up for what was right. Right, and I guess to I guess add some 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 color to what you to what you said, I personally feel that it was because he was he was doing. He was lead, he was leading protests. He was leading protests in 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 the U.S. He was going to I think it was Somali and giving them free drinking water. He was being he was being his own activist. And actually, because of that, he got a Nike endorsement. And granted, he did get a tryout, I believe, in was it last year? I think it might have been either 2019 or or last year. And no one took him. 
And I think what's so sad is the years are passing by and we're slowly starting to forget about him. He's getting older, so he's going to not he's not going to per se be looked on as damaged goods. He's just going to be looked on as an older damage of an older quarterback when the league is. I feel like is is getting it's getting younger and there's more football players, especially quarterbacks that are more. Then I guess a more pro ready. I mean, obviously, it's going, it's going to be hard to for any quarterback coming or any player coming from college to be pro ready. But I think because of more more youth camps, players are are a more quote unquote more pro ready or more adjusted to to timing, to accuracy, whatever to whatever their skill is, but whatever their position is. But regardless of that, it is still is still a shame that he doesn't have a job. And I think that that's kind of going from, I guess, one of the more pressing or glaring uh, problems within within sports. It's a good segue to kind of jump into um, the flip side, which is kind of the acknowledging the players and or teams um, in various different sports that have made a positive impact, i.e. Colin Kaepernick being one of them, um, on social justice or just in general help to make progress in the large larger scope of humanity and i know that you and i have actually spoken about the when the we had the conversation about about uh rugby's role in ending apartheid and i had no idea but i can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so to get into what you were specific talking about brenda um let me try to find the article ah so this actually stems so what brenda's talking about was involves a country like south africa that has a history with social justice with with obviously apartheid and it actually started back in 19 yeah 1981 when south africa well i guess to kind of give you guys a, a bit more of um to take a step back a lot of rugby rugby centric countries, they, they go on tours. And what that means is that they go to a certain country and they play the, the national team. Nowadays, they'll try to play some of the club teams or some of like the lower ranked teams. Like for instance, this year, uh, there's a specific, I guess, international team called the British Irish Lions that are comprised of four uh, Europe, uh, European teams, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, hence British and Irish Lions. And they, uh, every four years, they tour a different uh, Southern Hemisphere country. And this year, they're actually coming back to South Africa. But the point is, is that a lot of the, a lot of even, um, even, I'd say back in, even back, actually back in the 1800s, a lot of these countries, not per se the British and Irish Lions, actually, yeah, they did too. But the point is, a lot of these countries would would, tour, would go to different countries and just play rugby and just get to, and basically just tour and see the countries, see the countryside. Um, like I said, nowadays, some some of these international teams play club teams so just to get to see more of the i guess the lay of the land and what happened in 1981 was that south africa came to new zealand and there was a protest because at that point 
South Africa was still was was still under the rule of apartheid. So a lot of a lot of New Zealand citizens protested because they were like, yo, this is fucked up. And what a lot of people don't realize is that New Zealand is based up of a lot of POCs. It just so happens that these POCs are Polynesian from countries like Samoa, Tonga, even Fiji. Mm. So in terms of this protest, some of the protests had dual purpose in linking racial discrimination against against Maori, which is basically like the, the one of the native tribes that oh, are based Maori, out of yes. yeah, the Maori people yep, yep, in New Zealand um, to apartheid in South Africa. Obviously, POCs, obviously, um, one of the issues that one of the comparisons is the fact that New Zealand has this mixture of of, of natives and African of, well native well mainly natives and white people just like South Africa has this mixture of black people of native black people and essentially colonizers that are mostly Dutch mm-hmm. which is why if you think about a lot of a lot of um, South African last names they're Dutch based like mm. one of the one of the cat well actually one of the captains of South Africa is black but another one of their major players even Etzebeth mm-hmm. Etzebeth I think is Dutch Remulin Dutch uh Stain Dutch like a lot of a lot of there's a lot of of a Dutch influence moving on um the protesters specifically young Mary felt frustrated by the image of New Zealand as a paradise for racial unity many opponents of racism in New Zealand in the early 1980s saw it as useful as useful to use the protest against South Africa as a vehicle for wider social action however the Maori supported the tour and attended the games they also also South Af- um the South African team came to the US which I actually just found out today and there were still some protests there was actually a pipe bomb though I guess to kind of tie it into how rugby helped so in I think it was 91 or 92 that's when apartheid ended and that's when in ended in South Africa and that's when Nelson Mandela was released from prison and in 95 that's when the the governing uh body of rugby of world rugby I, I forget what the name of it was called at the time decided to bring excuse me to bring the uh what's called the rugby world cup to south africa in 1995 and nelson mandela considering he just got out of jail he was i guess touring the streets and you know waving to the people and he had on a the south africa international team is known as the, as the springboks nelson mandela was wearing a springbok jersey to show support for the team considering they were mostly white and at that point they had uh, one black player whose name was chelsea williams so long story short mandela was urging his fellow his fellow south africans especially his black south africans to say hey you know this this sport can unite us and we can use sport to unite this country and i think it was really brave of him to essentially extend his hand to essentially white South Africans to say, listen, apartheid's over, even though it would be nice for a white South African to say, yo, because it was mainly white South Africans that instituted apartheid. Well, it was. Well, well yeah, it was mainly, it was, it thank was. you. To say, hey, we fucked up, 
you know, we're gonna we're gonna make him this mascot, even though I think it was more ballsy to for Mandela to do it for him to to stand up for himself and say, Hey, I'm gonna promote this sport. I'm going to try to bring uh try to bring South Africans together by using the sport and South Africa ended up winning the Rugby World Cup in nineteen ninety five. So that was just the way that that Mills Mandela used rugby to essentially unite the nation. And they went on to win, I think, two more uh, Rugby World Cups. That was good strategy on Mandela's part. Because I think nobody would blame him. I mean, obviously, he he was taking on a huge role as, as president of South Africa. But nobody would blame him for rejecting this sport that had rejected black South Africans for so long. Exactly. But instead he chose to be strategic and say, you know what, at the end of the, at the end of the day, for us to be able to bring um, equity for black South Africans, we have to unite the nation, right? right. But I, that's a tough, that's a tough place to be in for sure. Right. And one more thing, speaking of equity, one of the things that I guess South Africa try to do to mend these fences is to institute a rule of that at least 40% of the team has to be black South Africans. Now, when I first heard of that, I kind of thought like, well, wouldn't, would, is it, would it be maybe a little unfair to, or wouldn't, uh, some maybe when some people feel slighted because they're trying to meet like a certain mark, but at the same time the the cream would rise to the top. And I think having like it is now having more black South Africans on the team, I think is more of a of a proper reflection of the nation because you're in South Africa. I mean, I mean naturally you're gonna have some white South Africans that are that are born there, and it's kind of this reminder of essentially colonization. Yeah. But I think the fact that South Africa has, I think it's done a good job in terms of acknowledging that they fucked up and is working, I think I feel is continuing working to, to fix it because apartheid, the, the end of apartheid is, is barely 30 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's barely 30 years old, but I feel like South Africa is doing better at race relations than the U.S. is, yeah. which is it's really, which is sad, but it's um, up is what it, is. it is fucked up. So I think that's I think that's one way that I think sports was able to unite. Uh, the, I guess unite a nation. And I think that that's actually it's funny that we ended up talking about rugby because that's actually a good segue to our next segue to our Woman Crush Wednesday. Ooh. So this week, uh, Woman Crush Wednesday is Koma Gandhi Fishbein. Uh, she's, I mean, it's pretty fitting for her to be our Woman Crush Wednesday this week um, because she's a Black woman in sports, a Harvard grad, and a proud mama. And um, story is that she's cute. She's coach. But um, I digress. What's up, coach? <laughs> uh, currently, she is the head coach for the uh, Village Lions men's rugby team. And last year was appointed to the U.S. Rugby Board of Directors. Uh, A longstanding member of the rugby community, Coma has been involved in many clubs and organizations as a player, coach, and mentor. 
She serves on the board of Play Rugby USA, a New York-based nonprofit that focuses on rugby and mentorship. Her professional experience includes a successful tenure as an officer in the U.S. Navy, as well as a financial and strategic analyst advisement with companies such as Ernest & Young, Morgan Stanley, Booz Hamilton, and the Cohen Group. She currently serves as the vice president of a late stage tech ed startup. Shout out to her, Coma. That's dope. Talk about being multifaceted and bringing a folding chair to the table as the Shirley Chisholm once said. So yeah, shout out to Coma. Yeah, shout out to coach, what's good? I'm gonna see you tomorrow, what's good? Um, which I think is great, right? Because she's she's a black woman, and rugby is predominantly white male sport. Yep. So yep. it's you know nice to see that rugby's adding some flavor to you know. And I think, and I'm really sorry, Seal, to to cut you off. I think yes, it is mainly white dominated sport. I'd also like to think that because of the growth of rugby and the growth of, growth of rugby, especially in the U.S., it's starting to the I guess the faces of rugby, I feel are starting to look closer to me or closer to the the POCs that are that are Polynesian, that you know, that are from Samoa, that are from Fiji, that are from Tonga, that are from all these these POC countries that hopefully rugby can look can look more like a sport for all people, not just for a privileged few. I just mm-hmm. want to add that. No, and that's totally valid. I mean, you know, and I guess that's just kind of where we're seeing things going, right? Moving forward, progression. And I think that that's, that's great. So, you know, we all, we all want to see ourselves and things that we are interested in and that we like. And so that's, that's awesome. Um, But essentially, you know, as we wrap things up for this episode, before we jump off, Kiyoshi, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. And, um, you know, this is your opportunity to share with folks where they can find you, where they can listen to you, all about you. So ladies, thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. This was really fun to, to talk about the intersectionality of sports and in social justice. I, even though I feel like sports, uh, or I guess the, the major, the four major sports have made strides and tried to bring awareness there's still a lot we can do and there's still a lot a long way we can go but aside from that again thank you guys for having me on and to all the listeners y'all can find me on twitter at it's kiyoshi you can find me on instagram at it's yosh and also if you guys don't mind shout out to uh my podcast yankee mets express shout out to josh and lean What's going on, y'all? And hopefully, maybe sometime soon we could talk baseball with y'all if y'all want. Maybe think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. And uh, Yankee Mets Express is on Spotify. Yes, Yankee Mets Express is on Spotify. Is on Apple. Is on wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Awesome. All right. So that's great. Thank you so much again for being here. And as always, thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of Better Why Podcast. Make sure to follow us on IG at Better Why with two Y's podcast and like rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, y'all have a great rest of your week, 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 week. Y'all know what I meant. Bye. Yes. Out.